thank you for sending Jesus for us. We thank you that we had a sin problem and Jesus takes care of it, took care of it on the cross. So we join with those people in saying, Hosanna, save us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And God, we pray that we would listen to you as we look into your word. Would you please fill us with the Holy Spirit to not only hear but also apply what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going through this sermon series here at Cornerstone entitled I Am. We're looking at the I Am sayings of Jesus in the book of John. There were, depending on how you count them, either seven or eight of them in John chapters 6 through 15. So we've been walking through things like I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Um, today we're going to look at a, at a different one about the vine and the branches. Last Sunday we looked at how Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life from John 14.6. I also briefly touched on the second half of John 14 last Sunday, and in that part of John 14, we saw that Jesus mentioned that the Holy Spirit would come, and because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are supposed to obey God. So if I could bring those two halves of John 14 together, I would say we see that if we are to follow Jesus as the way, we must obey. And I'm going to repeat it, not because it rhymes, but because I want us to hear it again. If we are to follow Jesus as the way, we must obey. This relationship with Jesus is meant to be one in which we stick with him, in which we follow him into whatever he has for us. Also, a little bit of context. Chapter 14, there's a word that shows up twice in there. It's the word home. In John 14, too, Jesus talked about preparing a place for us. And it says there, in my Father's house are many rooms. That word rooms could be translated as homes. Jesus is going to prepare a home for his followers in heaven. That same word shows up in verse 23 in that chapter where Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So there's this idea that, that there's a heavenly home prepared for us, but God is also preparing a home for himself in us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all living in us to strengthen us to live the way that God wants us to. Now, why do I mention all this stuff from chapter 14? We're going to talk about chapter 15 today. Well, because these same themes occur again. In fact, this word that's translated as home in chapter 14 twice, from that same word comes our word remain or abide, which shows up 11 times in chapter 15. So there's a strong connection here. Some of your translations say abide in chapter 15. In my translation it says remain. The word means to, to live with, to dwell with, to, to stay somewhere, to live somewhere. The result of our remaining that we're going to look at in John chapter 15 is that we would bear fruit. So it's a very simple metaphor again, and I love these I am sayings from Jesus. They're so simple that even I can get them. So it's this idea that, that we as branches are to remain in him and to bear fruit in him as we remain in him. It, fruit is the whole purpose of this. In verse 5 of our, our chapter today, it says, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. In verse 8, he said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And then in verse 16, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, literally fruit that will remain. God wants us to remain in Jesus and to bear fruit. Now, when I think of this fruit, I often think of it in two ways. First is the fruit that God wants to produce in us. And here I so often think about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God wants to produce those things in us. And those are things that we all want. And God is pleased to give them to us, to bring that fruit in us. But then also God wants to produce fruit through us. And what I mean by that is that 
those of us who know Jesus are supposed to help other people know Jesus and grow in their faith. So part of the fruit of our lives becomes helping other people know Jesus and grow in their faith so that they can bear fruit as well. Or to put it more simply, bearing fruit, uh, from God's perspective, bearing fruit in us is that simply we would do whatever God wants us to do. That, That he would produce in us whatever he wants to produce in us. He's the master gardener. He can produce it. Our job is to stick with him and to let him do his wonderful work in and through us. And the word picture that Jesus uses to describe this in chapter 15 is that of a vine. Jesus said in verse 1, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. That's our I am saying. And again, it's, it's Palm Sunday today, but again, maybe just for today, just this year, we can think of it as Vine Sunday. Now what I want to do is I want to walk through John 15 verses 1 through 17 and I want to pick up on these themes of remaining or abiding in Jesus and and also the theme of bearing fruit. And when I've walked through it then I want to ask two questions about how this applies to our lives today. So John 15, 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. I love this. And and later on in verse 5, we'll see that we're the branches too. So we've got this word picture, Jesus is the vine, Father is the gardener. And I I love that he is the one who is able to make this all grow. He's the one that has the wisdom to make things grow. Um, Some of you probably wish that you had more gardening wisdom than you do. Well, God has all the wisdom there could possibly be, and he knows how to make things grow. Vine imagery is very common in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a bunch of it. Israel, in the Old Testament, was supposed to be a fruitful vine, but all too often they weren't. Jesus, in contrast, is the fruitful vine. He is the one who produces good fruit consistently. And like I said before, we're told in verse 5 that we are the branches. Now let's look at what's said about these branches in verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, He, that's the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, the word prunes in verse 2 is the same as the word cleans in verse 3. So the idea is that God, as the master gardener, is able to make the branches more fruitful through this process of pruning. Now, for those of you who know things about gardening, you know how important the pruning process is. I don't know a lot about gardening, but I do know that pruning is important. So you think about uh, at the end of a growing season, after the the fruit has already been harvested off of the the plant or the vine, there's all this extra growth. There's a bunch of extra leaves, the the branches have grown big, and and a good gardener will know what to do to be able to, to cut off that extra growth, because if you don't cut off that extra growth, it can actually hinder next year's crop. So a good gardener will take out the shears and and will cut back the vine or the plant so that it can be even more fruitful. Now when you think of it on the big picture like that, it makes perfect sense, right? That, That God would do this pruning so that there can be even more fruit. The challenge for us in this, I think, is to remember that we're the branches. And that that God does this pruning process in us. And that can feel like a very unpleasant thing at times. To see the the master gardener coming with his shears and and to cut off things. I remember reading these verses one time and just, I was planning to read the whole chapter as my devotional that day. And I just got stuck at verses 2 and 3 and I just thought, wow, I feel that. I feel that, that pruning process. And I don't love it. But, I want us to remember the the gardener's perspective in this, that he knows what he's doing. In fact, I read a wonderful quote about this from the theologian Kent Hughes. 
He said, God's hand is never closer than when he prunes the vine. Isn't that great? That, that we go through difficult stuff in life. We go through stuff that we would never have chosen to go through on our own. But God, in his wisdom, brings us through a process. And, and the, the whole purpose of this pruning process, look what it says in verse 2, so that it will be even more fruitful. I want you to be encouraged by that. I want you to know that if you've ever gone through a difficult season in life, or if you're going through one, that God does his good work in us. And it might, might feel really hard. But please trust him to bring you through that process. Let's move on to verses 4 through 6. Jesus said, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, if we're following the word picture of a vine, these verses are incredibly obvious. How in the world is a branch going to produce any fruit if it's not connected to the vine? It's so obvious. Although it is obvious, let's not miss the fact that there's a command to obey in here. In verse 4, Jesus said, Remain in me. It's a command. As we saw last Sunday, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. As the life, there's no life apart from him. We might think that we have some ideas about what we want our lives to look like. We might even, in a, in a moment of weakness, know that Jesus is leading us one way, but we have a different plan for our lives and we go in a different direction. And I just want us to remember that there's no life there. That we might think that there's pleasure or satisfaction there, but there's no life apart from the vine. How can a branch bear any fruit even as we think about the fruit of, of joy and peace, that's what we're looking for. We don't get that by going our own way. We get it by remaining in Jesus, remaining in the vine. The vine is rooted in the ground, soaking up the, the nutrients from the soil, sending the, the nourishing sap to the branches. Now, th this passage doesn't mention sap, but I think it's appropriate to talk about that's how, that's how vines grow the, the vine sends that nourishing sap all the way out to the branches and causes that growth. So if we're disconnected from Jesus, it's like we don't have his life flowing through us. And, and that's what we want, is the life of Jesus flowing through us. That's where our fruitfulness comes from. And we see this contrast then in verses 5 through 6. In verse 5, it's that fruitful branch bearing much fruit. And he reminds us there, obviously again, apart from me you can do nothing. But the contrast then is in verse 6, with that desolate branch. And what good is that branch going to be for, except to be picked up, thrown away, and burned? It's like Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, there are only two roads. One of them leads to life, the other one leads to destruction. Either we're with Jesus and his life is flowing through us, producing more life, or we're apart from Jesus and it's not true life. Now, I know it doesn't always feel like that for us again, and I, just, I, I know that I struggle with this too, that we go through life and we, we think so often that we can find something good for ourselves apart from Jesus. But I want you to know that we don't. I want you to know that the only true life happens as we stick with Jesus. Let's move on to verses 7 through 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
So here we, we see that we are to remain in Jesus, but also that his words are to remain in us. He is the word. He has spoken truth about God to us. And if his words remain in us, it will produce fruit. And one of the ways this happens is through prayer. We saw this same idea last Sunday, and here it is again. It's in the Bible a bunch of times, that if we're walking by faith with Jesus and praying according to God's will, he hears us and gives us what we ask. It's not a magic genie lamp sort of a thing where we get whatever we want. In fact, it takes the hard work of us getting to know God's word. If we're going to let Jesus' words remain in us, it means that we need to do the hard work of getting to know God's word. But then the really cool stuff happens that we, we read God's word, we see what God's will is for us, and then we pray those things, and God answers those prayers and gives us whatever we wish. Now, that assumes that, that the, the life of Jesus is flowing through us, that our desires are being molded more and more into his desires. It's like, in the word picture here, it would be like the branch saying, can I please bear fruit? And the vine saying, of course, that's exactly what I want for you to do. That, that's the kind of relationship that we can have with God. We learn his will, we pray his will, and he gives it to us. And it, and it will minister to your soul as you see God working in and through you like that. There's a connection here between remaining in Jesus and prayer. There's a connection here between remaining in Jesus and getting to know and applying his word. And let's move on to verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Love. God is love. So if we're going to remain with God, we have to remain in love. The Father loved Jesus. Jesus loved us. We are to remain in that love. And then in verse 10, the idea of obedience comes in. And sometimes it seems like a strange transition for me. Verse 9, talking about love, and then verse 10, talking about obedience. But there's actually a really strong link here between our obedience and our love for God. Jesus mentioned this in a few places. In John 14, 15, he said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. In John 14, 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. In another place in the Bible, 1 John 5, 3, it says, This is love for God, to obey his commands. Did you know that one of the ways that you can show your love for God is to obey what he has told you? It's like what Jesus said also in John 15, 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And Jesus showed us how to do this, by the way. He doesn't just tell us to obey. He actually set the perfect example of obedience. Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father, even to the point of death. Jesus obeyed the Father's will for him. So let's remember how important it is to obey Jesus. He's our Lord, and if we confess him as Lord, that means that he is the one who leads us and guides us, and we should obey <coughs> But then it's cool as we move on to verse 11. It's not just obedience for the sake of obedience. It's also obedience for the sake of complete joy. Anybody want complete joy? Does that sound good to anybody? I mean, how often in this life do we struggle with joy? But here is, is Jesus telling us how we get complete joy, and it happens as we remain in his love and as we obey his commands. Now, that obedience... I would like to say it's not just obeying the things that are easy for us to obey. It's, it's not just, you know, 
the married couple on the honeymoon loving each other. It's, it's loving each other when love gets difficult. It's obeying God when He leads us in a direction that we might not want to go. It's resisting temptation. All of that stuff is obedience, and it's a way to honor God and to show Him our love. And as we do it, it's strange. We, we think that we'll get joy by, by succumbing to temptation, but we won't. We'll get joy by resisting temptation and obeying God. And he gives us that, that joy that has contentment and peace along with it. Now, so often as I think about verse 11, I, I've thought, okay, verses 10 and 11, okay, we're supposed to obey, and then we have complete joy. Well, what commands am I supposed to obey? Tell me. Well, Jesus tells us. Verses 12 through 14. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. We've already been told to remain in Jesus' love, and here we're told to love each other as Jesus loved us. Now, I find this great. Remember the great commandment? Somebody came up to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus gave two answers. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor, how? As yourself. Okay. Do you notice what's different about that? That was Jesus quoting the Old Testament. But here in the New Testament, Jesus kicked it up a notch. He doesn't just say, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love each other as I have loved you. Anybody struggle with that kind of love? I do. Um, Have you ever noticed that sometimes people can be annoying and it can be hard to love them? Or that sometimes we run out of our capacity to love each other the way maybe we get tired, maybe we get so focused on ourselves. We run out of the ability to love the way that we should. Now here's Jesus telling us to love each other as, as he has loved us. I know for sure that we're not going to be able to do that in our own power. If we're branches that are separated from the vine, we're not going to love the way that Jesus loved. But if we're connected to the vine and his life is flowing through us, then he can strengthen us to love like that. And again, here, Jesus didn't just tell us to love like this. He showed us that love, that greater love, the kind of love that lays down his life. Look at a... um, Jesus, as our... As our great friend, in, in verse 14, he calls us friends. Uh, as a great friend to us, he saw what we needed. And what we needed was to be rescued from our sin. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us needs to be saved. Jesus did that for us by laying down his life for us. So that anyone who receives Jesus as Savior and Lord can have complete forgiveness and can have eternal life. Again, there's two paths. There's the one where we give our lives to Jesus and he rescues us and leads us into life. Or there would be the one where we hold on to our life, trying to lead it up for ourselves, but that path leads to destruction. Jesus laid down his life for us that we could have life. Look at how this is said in a few other verses. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you notice the love there? It was while we were still sinners. That's how much he loves us. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us first. The only reason that we can love him and can be saved is because he loved us first. And he sent Jesus to rescue us. This is greater love. This is the kind of love also then that we are supposed to show to each other. The way that Jesus has loved us is the way that we are to love those around us. And again, 
Jesus did this for those he called his friends. Although that word friends could also perhaps be translated even better as loved ones. And that word shows up again in verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends or loved ones. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, this is an interesting verse. Jesus no longer calls us servants. I think we should still think of ourselves as servants. We see that very clearly from the Apostle Paul in his letters. So, so we are servants, but Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to call us friends or loved ones. And he's willing to share with us the Master's plans. This is so great that, that Jesus came to reveal the Father to us and to lead us into the life that is truly life. And then Jesus tells us a big part of that plan in the next two verses. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. So in these two verses, I see a bit of a recap of what we've looked at already. So there's three things I want to point out from these verses. First, we see here that we are chosen by Jesus to bear fruit. That's the whole purpose of this, the the vine and the branches, is, is that we would produce fruit, that God would produce fruit in and through us. And it's to God's glory. And the fruit will remain. The fruit will last. Second, if we remain in Jesus and pray according to God's will, we, we will receive what we ask for. Again, this shows up many times in the New Testament. Trust God in this. He wants to answer your prayers when you pray them by faith and when you pray them according to God's will. He will strengthen your faith as you get to know Him, as you remain in Jesus' word and pray accordingly. He will answer. God wants us to bear fruit, so let's pray for it, even if it means pruning. And then third, if we are to remain in Jesus and his love, we should love each other. Again, this is not just the love that you can scrape up on your own. This isn't just give away some of your love and then do whatever else you want to do. This is trusting God that his love will keep flowing through you to those around you. Because we don't have that capacity to love the way that we should on our own. We have to remain in Jesus. Okay, so that's the word picture. The vine and the branches and the gardener from John 15, 1-17. Now as I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, I want to close now with two questions that will hopefully help us apply this passage to our daily lives. So question number one, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? How do we do that on a daily basis? As I said before, the word remain shows up in our passage today 11 times. Listen to how it's used. We are to remain in Christ. Christ remains in us. Christ's words remain in us. They're supposed to. We are to remain in Christ's love. Christ remains in the Father's love, and God can produce fruit in us that will remain. So there's all this remaining, abiding, living with that's going on as we stay connected to Jesus. Now, practically speaking, how does that happen? Well, I think our passage shows us four ways that we can do that. I want to walk through them quickly. Four ways to remain in Jesus. Number one, we are to listen to his words. Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. We are to listen to God's words. Now, I have given this application in my sermon so many times over the years, okay? Some of you could come up here and say it exactly the way that I would say it. So I, I thought, I don't want to say it just exactly the way that I've always said it before. I just want to ask you a question. Okay? Instead of me preaching at you, I want you just to ask a question. In the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, just listen to what your answer should be. Are you listening to the words of Jesus? 
even if you can put a, a number on it, like a scale from one to ten, where one would be, you know what, I'm not really doing a great job of, of being in and listening to the words of Jesus. And ten would be, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty well at that. Where are you at right now? Are you listening to the words of Jesus? He has spoken life to us. God has given us his word that we might know who he is. Are you listening? And if your number isn't ten, which I would maybe doubt that any of us are at ten, I'm not, what can we do to improve? How can we not just listen to but obey the words of Jesus? And that leads into the second one here. If we're going to remain in Jesus, we are to obey his commands. Verse 10a says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. It would be ridiculous to think of a branch working against the vine, as if the, the branch has different goals in mind than the vine does. That, that just doesn't make any sense. Similarly, it would be ridiculous for us to think that, that we should come up with plans for our own lives that would be against what God has for us. Now, graciously, God has revealed to us his will. So our job is to get to know God's will and to obey it. And again, we might think that the best way for us to have life is to go and follow our own desires, our own plans. But that's disobedience. So let's be people who humbly obey and remain connected to the vine. And again, not just the commands that are easy for you, but the difficult ones too. Third, if we're going to remain in Jesus, we are to remain in his love. Verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So I think this is really neat. Follow with me if you will on this. God loves us. We are supposed to love God. As we love God, he, we, we understand his love more and more, and we have more of a capacity to, to love him even more. It's like, I was thinking, it's almost like the, the life cycle of fruit. Fruit has seeds in it. Those seeds produce more fruit. That fruit then has seeds in it, and those seeds produce more fruit. It's kind of to be like that with us and God, that, that we, as we love him more and more, we understand his love for us more and more, and we're strengthened to love him and to love those around us. So part of this remaining in God's love means, of course, that we would love him, but also it means that we would show his love to other people because... Um, the goal here would not just be that we could hoard as much of God's love as we can for ourselves. We were created to show that love to others. Like, like a cup that's filled to overflowing and we refresh those around us. God's love is to flow through us to other people as well. We are to remain in his love. So how are you doing? At your love for God and your love for others. Do you, do you love God now as much as you ever have? And how are you treating those around you? Are, you? are you being impatient and bitter and angry with people? Or do you sense God's love flowing through you? Now, there's good news in this. Um, God can produce the fruit. It's not up to us to produce the fruit. God produces it. We are to obey and to love. And he produces the fruit as we walk with him. Okay, and then a fourth way that we remain in Jesus is we are to pray according to God's will. Twice in this passage we're told that we get answers to our prayers, whatever we ask. Look at them again. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Then verse 16. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Again, this is not like a, a genie lamp or a blank check where we just get what we want. This is where we get what God wants for us. And, and which one's going to be better? What we want or what God wants for us? 
We know that the one that's going to bring true satisfaction is going to be what God wants for us. So we, we get to know God's will and we pray according to God's will and he produces the fruit through us. We are to remain in Jesus so closely that we know his will, that we live according to his will, that we pray according to his will. So are you remaining with Jesus like this? Do you love him? Do you listen to him? Do you obey him? Do you pray according to the things that God wants you to have? Are you remaining with Jesus? Does your prayer life show it? Does the way you treat other people show it? Does what you do when you're by yourself show that you're remaining in Jesus? And then question number two. What does it mean to bear fruit? What does it mean in our daily lives to bear fruit? Fruitfulness should be the normal pattern of our lives. We should be able to look at our lives and see God producing fruit in us because he is that good at producing fruit. And again, whether we think of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all those good things, or whether we think about helping other people know Jesus and grow in their faith, that should be the consistent pattern of our lives. Now what that causes me to think is that we should take a good hard look at our lives and our souls and ask ourselves the questions, are we bearing fruit like that? Are we living according to God's will and seeing the results of, of love and peace and the results of helping other people know Jesus? We all want that kind of fruit. Maybe sometimes we feel like we struggle to get it. Now here's the good news. If we're not seeing this kind of fruit in our lives, all we need to do is to turn to God because He produces it in us. So if you feel like you've been straying a little bit and you haven't been seeing those good things that God wants to produce in you, the good news is you can come back. In fact, in the Bible there's a passage that talks about how God is able to graft branches back in. So if you feel like you've wandered or if you've started to wither, if you feel like the fruit of the Spirit is not being produced in you, if you feel like your, your witness for God has been ineffective lately, if you feel like you aren't doing your part in making disciples, please know that you can come back to Jesus, you can be strengthened by him, and he can produce his fruit in and through you. It's really a great deal. This is what God does. He produces fruit. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We simply need to remain in Jesus and to allow God to bear fruit through us. So are you remaining in Jesus? Are you bearing fruit? God wants to produce this fruit. And the fruit that comes in and through you will result in praise and glory to God. Let's remain in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are the one who produces this fruit, that you are the master gardener and that Jesus is the vine. And I pray that we would remain in Jesus. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has strayed or if there's anyone here who's maybe never put their life in, in Christ's hands, Lord, we pray right now that, that we would all be connected to Jesus and that we would remain in him. We pray that we would all know Jesus as Savior and Lord and that we would walk with you, God, on the path that you have for us. And we know that that path is going to be a path of fruitfulness where you produce good things in us. God, please produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in us. God, please make us just and righteous people who live according to your pattern of holiness. God, please make us people who make disciples, who help other people know Jesus, and who help other people grow in their faith. 
And Lord, as I think of all those things, I know that my resources are not good enough to do this, but that you can do it through us as we remain connected to Jesus. So God, would you show us what that looks like, what it looks like for us to remain in Jesus, and would you please bear fruit through us? Help us to be people who obey you, who love you, who remain in your word, and who pray according to your will. And Lord, help us to trust that you'll do your good work in and through us, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.